Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. Shir is the Nishmas but Shevachana, La Shalom, Bas, Shirir, Abavrom. This week is Pashkiseitse. Tonight is Tess Elul. As we enter now, we get closer to Rosh Hashanah. We're saying the three kapitlach on a daily basis, preparation for Yom Neroyim. Here's Shefa every day, preparation for Yom Neroyim. is directly connected to Kedish El. Discuss the connection. the connection of the month of El to Pashki Seite. Tonight, as we said, is Test El. The outside of Michal Ben Zalkin, Michal Beliner, Enikul for Michal the Alta. A very, very unassuming Jew, <coughs> but a very, very driven Jew. Not a driven Jew, rather a driven Chassid. A devoted Chassid. A Chassid that never meant everything. And as we spoke about him before, the Mechol Alta himself, the Zayda, was a Balmesin Nefesh, by the Rebbe Rashab, Chosid, that literally was Mason Nefesh himself, in that in that he was when the Russian government insisted that the headmaster, the head of the school the head of every institution have a picture of them in the, on the wall the Mechol Alter knew that this is a trap to hurt, to capture the Rebbe Rashab 
Therefore he himself put his own picture up on the wall so that if they want to come after anybody, they come after him and not Chasson Rebbe. Um, the picture itself, I believe, made it to America. In the picture were certain things I believe were put in, even parts of a potato that went in it. Which was how they were able to smuggle that out of Russia. <coughs> The first passage of the parasha deals with going out, going out to war. <coughs> A person goes out person goes out to war, a con- a, the, con- the nation goes out to war, <coughs> and with the different Muhammad that we're talking about, Ash says here, he's talking about Muhammad Sarashus, going out is the Mifta of Chaydeshel. Chaydeshel is Melech Basada. Melech Basada, the king is in the field. As we spoke last week, the king is in the field. Everyone is welcome, a smiling face, a happy face. There are no appointments needed. Anyone that wants to come can talk to the king. The same thing here also. When they go out to war, they're going out again, out into the field, out into the battlefield. It's all talking, you say, say, plural, singular, I'm sorry, singular. And again, singular, but it says, sorry, is singular. And they will be given his Ashram. <coughs> so, how is it 
that the Tera mixes up within the same Pasuk, Lashen Yochid and Lashen Rabbim. Tera is the epitome of perfection. When something like this, of this quote-unquote magnitude, comes about, there's a very strong reason for it. Thank you. And there's, of course, hidden explanations to them. To explain the simple Pasuk, this Pasuk as well, <coughs> sorry, it talks about Machamas, regular Machama. But it's deeper than that. It makes reference to the Machama, a spiritual Machama of each and every person. Each and every person's spiritual battle. The enemies of the Jews are divided in two types. There are enemies of the Jews that want to destroy the physical Jew. I apologize for the recording. I'm afraid the fan might have distorted it a little bit. I turned it off now. The physical body of the of the Jew. And then there's the enemy that wants to fight against the spiritual existence of the Jew. To fight his essence in his soul. However, the Teda generalizes this. Puts in one word, Avecha, your enemy. <coughs> Just like the body and the soul of a person are one. And both of them serve Akadish Baruch. Hu. <coughs> both of them serving a Kodesh Baruch the Nishama and the Guf therefore the enemy of the body of each and every Jew and the enemy of the soul of each and every Jew Although they are total opposite, they are one. The Torah guides us. How do we go out to the war against these enemies? First and foremost, You go out. <coughs> Not meet the enemy and then try to fight back. Be the aggressor. Go out with faith. Go out with belief in God. And how does it have to be? Alivecha. <coughs> A direct confrontation. Head on. But not just head on from the top down. Remember always. With the Yad Al-Yena, the Jew's hand is always on top. 
that to begin with, the Jew needs to stand above, head and shoulders, above his enemy. And automatically, the Almighty accompanies him and helps him to win this battle. When a Jew goes out to war with such an attitude, he's guaranteed victory. And this will be victory not only against enemies that are opened against him, that he sees before him, but he will actually uproot their source of every single enemy in every different type. And on that very important and powerful enemy, the Eight Sahara, who rears its ugly head every time it can. And if you keep me score at home, the Yamada Bab Basra, Tazayin Amar Aleph, 16, side 1. The Yamada says about this Yetzirah, who has Sultan. He's the Sultan. The one that hates the Nishama. And whom Allah Hamavis? The one that hates the body. A Jew goes out to war against his enemy with a feeling that is that is given his essence, and he has God with no strength to go against them. Whether it's Sahara, where the enemy has no power against the good and the holy. He succeeds in winning not only <coughs> outwardly against the bad and the evil, but even the actual uprooting spiritually. And therefore, that the Almighty will give both of them into your hands. in essence, is talking about that one Yetzahara. But the roots and the source of all the enemies. The Tera adds, Vishavisa Shivye. And you will capture captives. <coughs> the Tera calls out to the Jew not to be careful with the Yetzahara. <coughs> not to fall into, God forbid, warns the Jew that's not careful and falls into his trap goes into his ishus, goes into his strengths which the Jew needs to serve Hashem and this goes into captivity in the hand of the we- of the evil the tailor therefore guarantees that the Jew will be able to take out the Shivya 
will be able to take out the captives. <coughs> anyone that's capable, anyone that succeeds in capturing and locking away till this point. Again, if you keep a score at home, the Gemara Yuma, Pei Vavam at Beis, 86 I2. The Gemara says, because I'll tell us, Ayyadei Tshuva Gedele, Zdeinis Nasli Kizachis. Through Tshuva Gedele, our sins are turned into merits. Not only are they forgiven, but that entire list, that entire group, entire account of added up, God forbid, sins, not enough get wiped away, but if the person does Tshuva Gedeila, the sins themselves are turned into mitzvahs. And ultimately this brings to the Gula Amitiz Vashlema, where the Yitzhahara will be totally cut down and will come to the ultimate war, the ultimate victory, and the fulfilled victory. Chsidim, and the Mishnah has different explanations, different things that describe the Chassid. A Jew, when he learns Teda, when he does mitzvahs, and he follows the letter of the law, this is called a fine yid. Sometimes our mitzvahs you can cut corners with. I don't want to. I'm not going to use that example. I don't want to use any examples because I don't want anyone to think, God forbid. I'm minimizing the way they do their mitzvahs. But there are mitzvahs that people can tend to cut corners with. And then, <coughs> there are people that know, they like to fulfill the mitzvah the way it should be. They do the right thing, and they do right by God. And they do right by the tailor, they do right by mitzvahs. And then there's the person that goes a step above the law. Well, actually, I could use the example of the Yamada. Which is by cutting the fingernails. When one cuts their fingernails, there are different ways of discarding the fingernails. Some just throw them down on the ground, one of the sun. Some bury them, or flush them down the toilet. And then there are those that burn them. I believe it was discussed already, but could be I didn't forever. But if you catch me somewhere in the archives discussing this Gemara, please don't uh, take a lawsuit out. 
Gemara tells us that the fingernails of a person are dangerous for a pregnant woman. If Chas Vesholom, a pregnant woman, should step on the fingernails of a person, not while they're on his fingers, it's dangerous for the woman, for the child. So therefore, the person that discards their nails haphazardly is considered a Rasha, a wicked person, because he has no concern for other people. The person that buries the nails or flushes them is considered a tzaddik, a righteous person, because they're making sure that nobody should, God forbid, get hurt from it. However, the earth could get turned up sometimes. One little hurricane comes through Texas, and who knows what happens to all that ground. One little Katrina, one little Sandy, and all the damage that's done, and all the earth that gets turned up, landslides, etc. So therefore, is it foolproof? It's not foolproof. <coughs> then, there are those that burn them. They burn them. What happens if you burn the nails? When a person burns the nails, they are doing damage to themselves. They're doing damage to themselves. On what reason are they doing this? On a chance that, God forbid, another person can get hurt. It's a chance that the woman might walk here, chance she might not walk here. I can bury it, and there's a very slight chance that it gets undug. But if I burn it, it's definitely not going to exist any longer. But if I burn it, I, anyone who burns a part of their body is d- automatically de- damaging themselves. I am willing, says the Chosid, who is the third level, the Gemara tells us. The Chosid tells us, I am willing to, God forbid, <coughs> jeopardize myself not to hurt Chasashalom, a fellow Jew. Siddim have a merit to have a connection with their Rebbe. A person's neshama has several levels to it. We know it as Naran Chai. Nefesh Rach Neshama Chai Yechida. Yechidah, of course, being the highest. When a chosid goes to see their Rebbe on what's called a private audience, or formerly known as 
Yechidus. Their Yechida is brought out. And not often time, but all the time, <coughs> a person coming into Yechidus goes out a changed person. Whether they know it or they don't know it. If, however, a person goes into a private audience of the Rebbe and pays heed to every word, every blessing, every nuance that the Rebbe presented him with, the person automatically comes on to a different level. Tuchzidim went into the Reb Marash. Separately, of course. The first of the two fasted and and gel. Fasted and, and prepared himself and studied Chsidis, studied Teda, did everything and anything that he could possibly do to prepare himself to going into the Rebbe. To going into the Rebbe. To being a fit vessel that's befitting of the Rebbe's bracha. Not a simple task. Chassidim would prepare an entire year. From when they left, if they went in once a year to the Rebbe, if they had the merit to do so. From when they went into the Rebbe, as soon as they left the Rebbe's door, they started to prepare for the next Yechidus. So the first Chassid... did exactly that. He started to prepare himself a full year, or even more. Not necessarily he went in the year before. And as he prepared himself, he came into the Rebbe, he presented the Rebbe with his pigeon and his pan, and on the pan, Chassid wrote everything that was in his heart. I like that. Ask mommy. And he wrote everything that was on his heart, every asking the Rebbe, for guidance. How to become spiritually a better Jew, a better Chassid.
Chassi stood there with great trepidation, trembling, great fear. And awaiting as the Rebbe read his letter, for the Rebbe to give him a blessing, for the Rebbe to give him a guidance, life-changing guidance. The Rebbe looked at the Chassid, Thank you. And quietly said to him, From now on, when you daven, I want you to look in the siddur. Say every word from the siddur. That was the end of the Yechidus. That's all that I had to say to him. And he turned to the Rebbe. He was devastated. He waited for so much more. Anticipated to get so much more from the Rebbe. <coughs> Thinking, dreaming that the Rebbe surely recognizes his greatness, surely recognizes the preparations he put through. How is it possible? All the Rebbe is telling him, Davin from a sinner. So he said, Rebbe, when I daven, I close my eyes. And I have tremendous devotions. Lofty thoughts. What does this mean, Rebbe? Daven from a sinner. So Rebbe said to him, Lofty thoughts? What do you have? Lofty thoughts about the floorboards? Say the least the chassid was floored. <laughs> what did it mean? But he saw his achidus was over. He backed out, very dejected. And he went into the Zal, to the big Zal, sat down in a corner. So depressed. So downtrodden. He couldn't believe what just happened. Finally, he got up enough courage to ask one of the elders to him, I went into Yechidus, he says. I prepared myself. I fasted. I studied. I davened. 
And yet, and yet, I went into Yechidus and the Rebbe said to me, lofty thoughts to the floorboards? What did the Rebbe mean? What spiritual secret is hidden in those words? And each elderly chassid stood more perplexed than the other, more baffled than the other. No idea what you're talking about, what the Rebbe could possibly mean. The chassid sat down and started to reflect. There's no way that the Rebbe wasted words. There's no way there was not a message here. He started to think and it hit him like a ton of bricks. On Shabbos morning he was davening, Mami has it. He was davening. As he was davening, he noticed, well, he's holding him, by the Shira Mylison. He noticed one of the floorboards in the floor was longer than the rest of the floorboards. It stretched almost half the zal. A bug went into his head. And he decided to see how long this floorboard actually is. He wanted to see if it would take him if it would be the duration of the time for him to walk across this floorboard if he would be able to recite the Shiramalis that he was up to. A childish, childish game. Definitely not something for a great chassid. But I guess the Yitzhahara got into his. And he decided to walk the plank. He walked the board. As he said, the Shiramalis. To see if it would work. He grabbed his head. Oi, says the Rebbe. Look how the Rebbe knows me. A smallest thing like this, the Rebbe knew exactly what happened to me. And therefore the Rebbe gave me advice, henceforth to Dhamma from Masida. Look at every word. Accumulate every letter. See the holiness in every letter as you read. So that you lack nothing. That your prayers and devotions will be true to the letter. Aha. Someone's got to laugh. Thank you. The second cluster went in. 
Second chassid, we're in a very, very simple chassid. A simple man. Boshtimi. Boshtimi. He prepared whatever he could prepare. He did whatever he could. He came into Yichidus. And he put down his pan. And the Rebbe looked at his pan and read everything that he had in him. Understood everything that was going on with him already. And the Rebbe says to him, From now on, I want you to always have a safer from Chamishikum Shatera. I want you to learn Psukim in the Tera. Chose one? No? Learn Sukkim with the Tera. But to learn it with the Taich. The Yiddish Taich. Simple Yiddish Taich. That is birthday. Zainal is your birthday? Yes, it was. Hmm. I knew he was something. I was thinking about, about Yechev's birthday the whole time. <laughs> Alright, so I'm sure you're leaving a check in not every birthday. It's not a problem. You may suffer in Sadaka. from your children. A lot of money that I have to make your wife work. Anyway. He had his instructions to him. Just always find, whenever you find time, <coughs> sit and learn the Psukim Tera and Viyam Ksuvim. Chassid left the room very, very happy. The Rebbe gave him Adrocha. The Rebbe gave him an actual instruction how to improve his life and lifestyle. What more could he ask for? And so, he went home and he found a Panasa. He's a wagon driver. He became a wagon driver. A decent panasa. Decent living, decent livelihood. And the Almighty blessed him and his wife the birth of a little boy. And things were going very, very nicely for this chassid. Whenever he found a spare moment, he opened the Chumash, a Novi, Ksuvim, and he would learn the Psukim with the Yiddish Taich, so he understood every word thoroughly. 
Boyim. The bitter cold winter. And he was traveling for a few days. When he traveled in the bitter cold winter as a Balagola, in those days the Balagola didn't have a windshield. <laughs> the wagon driver, he sat up on top of the wagon. He was exposed to all the elements. He had to wear, wear a pelts, a heavy, heavy fur coat. Today's global warming. We don't need. We don't know what that cold means. Even in those days, it was cold. And he rode his wagon for three, four days. Finally, came home for a nice square meal. And he came home exhausted. His coat weighed a ton. He took off his coat. He threw it in the corner, and he sat down. His wife had for him beautiful fresh, warm meal, something he hadn't had for days. But he had texted her, he told her he was coming home, so she was ready for him. <laughs> and, after this scrumptious meal, he's talking to his wife and saying what he made, what he earned. He said, and how is our son? Oh, he's doing wonderful. Can I know he's growing up? Such an angel. And she goes to the crib to bring the sun. The crib that was placed in the corner of the room. The crib that was the landing pad for the heavy pelts. And she lifts up, tries to lift up this heavy pelts and she gets it up and finally she sees her child lying there listless, not breathing. This pelts was on top of the child for over a half hour. See, they have rules about leaving children in hot cars. Nothing about leaving children under heavy pelts. <laughs> so they're going to have to make alarms for heavy pelts. Child was listless. And they tried to hit it and to put things on it, water, this, yes. It's a health Nothing's happening. The child's not moving. She's, the child's not breathing. The wife picks herself up, she grabs her coat, she runs out to go to the doctor. To bring the doctor quickly, maybe the doctor can save the child. And she comes to the doctor, and the doctor was sleeping, and he's putting on his pants one leg at a time. And finally he gets, then he gets rolling out, and his eyes are half closed, and he comes following her into the house, and they open the door, and there's this husband sitting there, with the child bouncing on his knee, laughing and joking. child at that age knew how to tell jokes. He tells <laughs> Today's generation can't do that. Anyway, the child can text it to you, but he can't tell it to you. <laughs> They're laid back. They're laid back, yes. He can find a few on YouTube. <laughs> on his iPad. The uh, woman was in shock. She was more in shock now than she was when the child was dead. It was in more shock. This the guy by the door. Just for the Likris Shabbos. I was more in shock. It was the doctor. It says, lady, you told me the kid was dead. <laughs> told me he wasn't breathing. She says, he was not breathing. And they asked the husband, 
Was the child breathing? And he says, no. Child, stop breathing. The pelt smother him. So now as we say in America, the doctor started to scratch his head. My height. What happened? He did mouth to mouth. What did you do? Not there. And he tells him. When I went to Yechidus, the Rebbe told me to learn Tehid and Aviyah Miksuvim with the Ivritaych. So I understood all the stories. I understood all the Psukim. And I learned the story of Elisha. The child died. And Elisha lay down on top of the child, hand to hand, nose to nose, and blew breath into the child. The child became alive. And that child was dead for days. <laughs> so I said, that must be the solution, how you bring back dead children. So I did it. I lay down on top of the child. And I breathed into him and he woke up. The Pashtas. The Pashtas with the Kekas that the Rebbe gave him. The Pashtas with understanding that the reason that the Rebbe told him to learn the Psukim. Chosid understood that the reason that the Rebbe gave this simple message sit and study gave it to him with his Kabbalah sale he followed up with it and did it so strongly it's my bris my bris is cut off the end So this chassid, with his emuna pshuta and rebbe, was able to literally perform tchias hamesim. This is the kayach that he received from the rebbe. This is the kayach that the Ebrisha tells you. This is what you are going to achieve. Make a bris. The Pasha continues. Chapter 22, verse 7. Pedic of Bays, Zion, Burak. Was it telling us about Kiyikari can't see further than Fanecha? 
you'll find the bird's nest. Shaleach Shalach Send away the mother bird. The eggs. The babies, take for yourself. The Torah tells us, though, the man Yitavloch, the man Arachtoyom, it'll be good for you, and you'll have longevity. Now, the archive fans are rolling their eyes. Rabbi, are you going to tell us again about this bird? No, I'm not. On the Mitzvah Shluch we find the tremendous reward be good for you and Arach Simple question, why? Why? Pachimu. A simple Mitzvah like this, sending away the mother bird, gets us such reward. So Rashi, the champion of the Mechamesh the Mikra, says, my child, don't fret. Why? Taylor offering such reward to teach us a mitzvah kala, if a simple mitzvah, she'ein bach sarankis, where you don't lose any money on it. Omra Teda, the Teda tells us the reward is the Manitavla, Kalmanarach Yamim. Kalvachemus, says Rashi. How much more so? Matnskoran Shalmitzvah Kamuris. The reward for big, hard mitzvahs. So Teda is telling us. That yes, it's a tremendous reward that we're being offered here. But it's not just a tremendous reward. It's a message. A mitzvah that literally involves nothing practically. You receive such reward for it. How much more so mitzvahs that you have to really involve yourself with, how much you're going to get. The explanation is a simple one. Because the question becomes really, my high, why this mitzvah? Why is this the chosen mitzvah to teach us this major lesson? You're taking other mitzvahs that were also easy. How about Krishna? Costs money. Say Shema Yisrael. Saying a few words. Mitzvah Krishna is just as easy. But the truth is, 
The mitzvah shluch hakan involves nothing. It's done when the person is not doing anything else. The person is not involved in anything else. Very, very innocently walks by a nest, chases away the mother bird, and takes the bird. Never sent me. Never answered me. What does he have to do? He has to go. Shoo. He has to chase away the mother. Scared away. And this, the Tata tells us, has tremendous reward. Let us go back to the mitzvah of Kriya Shema, which we thought would be just as easy. And see what involves saying Kriya Shema. you got to get up in the morning. And there's the concept of Zman Krishma, say Zman Krishma. As we told the story of the Chassid, my brother-in-law's father, Allah Shalom, his father, not him. He should have a long life. His father fasted because he had a dream that he overslept Zman Krishma. How many people are dreaming way past Zman Krishma? <laughs> They ain't dreaming about it, it doesn't bother them. Krishna has to be said by a certain time in the day, in the morning, and then in the evening is again Krishna. But to say Krishna, sometimes you're involved doing something, you're busy, you have to stop, sit down, and say Krishna. So you have to ask and stop what you're doing. If Taylor would have chosen this mitzvah, Krishna, to teach us the great reward, we think, because you really need to put yourself out there. Davening Mincha. You have to stop your work day to go stop and Davening Mincha. So there really isn't, in essence, any other mitzvahs that don't involve some kind of action. The mitzvah that has the least of anything is Shlach HaKan. It needs nothing. It involves nothing. It costs nothing. And in such a mitzvah, the reward is so much more so other mitzvahs. But the Teda continues. This is Pasuk Zion. In Pasuk Ches, the Teda tells us, You build a new house, and you should make a fence around your rooftop. Then the Teda continues. The mitzvahs of planting a vineyard, planting a field, Rashi immediately tells the Mechamesh the Mikra, who's scratching his head, what is the continuity of the Psukim? What connection is there between them? Rashi says, <coughs> If you did the Mitzvah Shlachakan, 
Seifcha. In the end, you will have Livnis by its Chodesh, build a new house, Kayim Mitzvah's Micah. You'll be able to put a Micah around another Mitzvah. Because Mitzvah, Gairedes, Mitzvah. One Mitzvah rolls up into another. And you'll ultimately have garments where there won't be shotness and vineyards and fields, etc. So here we see not only the great reward of but the strength of this simple mitzvah to roll up into other mitzvahs but other mitzvahs, not mitzvahs that are going to impose on us, but rather mitzvahs that are going to be rewarding to us. Owning a home, so that we can put a mica. Owning a field, so we can do the mitzvahs of peya, mitzvahs, shikha, leket, tuma, maizahs. Owning a vineyard, etc., All this starts, says the Teda, from the mitzvah, Kala, that simple mitzvah. And this brings on so that not only we have other mitzvahs, we have mitzvahs with reward. And through this, therefore, by being in the parsha of going out to battle, going out to meet the Melech Basadeh, we are Zechat Eksiva Vaksimateva. Ashana Teva Masuka, all its all its concepts and all its ways. Sneezing on the truth. And that we're ultimately Zaikat as the Pasha finishes off. Zakhir Sasha Asalakha Molik Badarak Vitsaitzham Mitzrayim. Remember what Amolik did to you. As you went out of Egypt, they tried to cool you off. They knew that the Eden were hot. The Eden were a hot commodity. The Eden were the hottest stock out there. But they jumped into the fire. They jumped into the fire. Why? Because they were going to show the world. You'll get burnt, but you'll be able to continue and persevere. Main thing is, put stumbling blocks by the Jews. Cool them off. Don't let them do their mitzvahs, because their mitzvahs roll into other mitzvahs. And once the mitzvahs start rolling into other mitzvahs, the Yidin will have many schusim. And as will be zecha to another mitzvah of the 78 mitzvahs in this week's Pasha, where the Pasik tells us, on that day that the person works they should receive their reward and our work and our toil that we put in on this world the Eivishter will not remain about Chayv the Eivishter will not remain someone that has outstanding debts but rather will pay each and every one of us with the ultimate payment of the Geula Amitus Vashlema and may all those that have their debts and all the organizations and masters that need to pay back their debts, pay them openly, happily, not begrudgingly, and see to it 
that we all can sing together the Shavazakim Gam Yochad in Yerushalayim and Akedis this Shabbos Kisove Eloretz as we arrive Mincha time in the land Shabbat Shalom to all.